I invite you to remain standing as you are able as we read from God's holy word today. Let us receive these words from Acts chapter 10. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every people, anyone who fears him and practices righteousness is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living of the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. This is the word of God for the people of God. <laughs> it is indeed a joy to be with you all in worship this morning. We particularly issue a word of welcome to those worshiping with us from Helena and Bauxite and Conway this morning, as well as those who are in their hospitals and nursing homes. We are so incredibly thankful for all of your presence this morning as we worship God together. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. There was a child in a previous church that I served who every time there was a baptism, every time he could see that there was going to be a baptism, when the baptismal font had been moved to the center front of the sanctuary, he would come and he would approach me before the service and he would say, Pastor Kathleen, tell me the story. Each and every time he wanted to hear the story. It began when his sister got baptized and he asked me to tell him the story and I told him about Jesus' baptism and he said, no, 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 no. The whole story. He wanted to hear the whole story and then he wanted to hear how he was a part of that story. He heard us talking about what it meant to renew our baptism, and he said, well, tell me about my baptism. He wanted to know that this story was his. Our scripture lesson for today is a story within a story. It is not just Peter preaching and telling this story of Jesus, but it is that preaching within this larger story of a man named Cornelius. 
And so as we enter into this time today, I imagine that little boy saying, tell me the whole story. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was uh, in the Roman army. And so you can imagine all of those images that you may have seen about the army, the soldiers from Rome. They're big and they're tough. They're strong, they fight. They are representations of the Roman Empire, the mightiest empire and the mightiest army on earth. Cornelius was one such member of this army, but he and his family were also God worshipers. They believed in God, and even though they were not Jews, they sought to follow God's laws. They sought to be a part of the generous giving and taking care of the poor and the needy. They sought after a life that was worthy of this God that they had heard of. But even so, they were not a part of the community of God, because that was reserved for the Jews, at least up until this point. Cornelius, one afternoon, the gospel says, was experiencing a vision. He experienced a vision of an angel coming to him and saying, Cornelius. And like many of us, if we heard a voice coming to us and calling our name out of nowhere, uh, Cornelius was a little terrified. He was a little scared. But the angel says, God has seen you, Cornelius. God has seen your heart. God has seen the work that you have done. And God wants to be with you. And so, Cornelius, go and send your servants to a man named Peter. Go and send them to bring this man, Peter, to your home. And Cornelius follows that voice, sending the people to Peter. Meanwhile, Peter also has a vision. Peter, who is not a Roman centurion, but Peter, who is an apostle. Peter, who has been a leader of the church, Peter, to whom Jesus said, you are my rock on you, I will build my church. Peter, who has gone around healing and immediately preceding today's text, has raised someone from the dead, even. Peter, the righteous man of God, also receives a vision, calling out to him, a vision of a bunch of animals being lowered down on a sheet from the sky. Animals that those who are righteous Jews were not supposed to eat. But the voice says, Peter, take and eat. And Peter says, no, I will not take and eat. He thought perhaps that this was a test or something of that nature that God was testing him, that there was a voice that was trying to tempt him. And he says, of course, I will not take and eat. But then the voice says, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. But Peter still doesn't quite get it. <laughs> 
And that happens over and over three times, Scripture tells us, until Peter wakes up from this vision and doesn't really know what it means. Until those servants from the centurion's house, from Cornelius' house, come to Peter and invite him to the house of this Gentile, to the house of this person who served those animals that Peter had thought to be unclean, that were lowered down from the sky. And Peter follows. I imagine that in this moment, Peter might have been a little hesitant <laughs> to follow where these random men come and take him to the house of a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier. After all, these Roman soldiers were the ones that had executed Jesus. I imagine Peter may have been wondering what was going to happen in this moment. But he goes, and he goes and he enters the house, and he asks them as he goes what exactly they are expecting of him. <laughs> Why exactly is he here? Cornelius tells Peter about his vision, about God coming to him and saying, go to get Peter. And Cornelius is like, so, Peter, God told me to get you. Here you are. What you got? And so Peter proceeds in a very concise fashion to give the message that we heard today. Beginning with the words, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Some translations translate these words of Peter's as I now understand that God shows no partiality or God shows no favoritism. You see, even Peter, the righteous one, Peter who had been with Jesus, Peter who had healed, Peter who had raised someone from the dead, Peter on whom Jesus built his church, even Peter still had something to receive still had something to learn from the Spirit of God. And he preaches it in that moment. I know that God shows no partiality, but in every people, anyone who fears him and practices righteousness is acceptable to him. Peter tells about the power of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus who came to teach and to preach peace. Jesus who came with power to do good and to heal and to deliver those who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus who came and was killed but was raised from the dead. This Jesus is Lord of all and the life that he offers, the life that people can experience because of Jesus, is for everyone who believes in him. Everyone who believes in him. And as he is 
preaching this message, scripture says, the spirit, the Holy Spirit falls upon all who heard the words. And the circumcised, that is the Jewish people, those who were already a part of God's beloved community, those who were followers of Jesus, they were astounded that God's spirit could be poured out even on the Gentiles. They had just heard Peter preach about the fact that God is Lord of all, that this life that Christ offers is one for everyone who believes, but it was not until they saw for themselves God's spirit poured out even on those people, even on the Gentiles. And so Peter goes on to say, who am I to hold up baptizing these people? And so they are baptized and they become a part of the beloved community. In this baptism, Cornelius and his household become part of the community of God in a way that they were not before because baptism, as we heard earlier from Dr. Hampton, is this initiation into Christ's holy church. It is us becoming a part of the community of belovedness that God has for us. Remembering when Jesus was in the Jordan being baptized and the voice came down from heaven saying, you are my beloved, my son, in you I am well pleased. When we are baptized, we are a part of the belovedness community of God. It is as if it is a recognition of God saying to each and every one of us, you are my beloved. In you I am well pleased. But in that moment, it wasn't only Cornelius who was transformed. Cornelius and his household became part of that community of beloved. But in that baptism, Peter also is transformed as he realizes more deeply what God's beloved community looks like. God's spirit is poured out on Cornelius, on his family, on all who receive that word. But God's spirit is also poured out on Peter. God's spirit is also working within him, transforming him, opening him up. This man who was righteous, this man who had been Good up until now, God was still working in him to bring about something new. When we are claimed as God's beloved in baptism, it is a recognition of what God has already begun in us. God who has already begun to reach out to us, to percolate within us, a yearning for connection to God until that point when the Spirit is poured out upon us. 
But after that moment when the Spirit is poured out, after that moment of baptism, when we become part of that beloved community, that Spirit continues to spurt and to splatter and to splash us whenever we need it. Whenever we need to remember God's claim on our lives and on the lives of others, just as God claimed Jesus and Peter and Cornelius, when we need to remember those words, you are my beloved. There are a lot of names that we may be called and that we may call ourselves or others. A centurion, a prophet, a woodworker, a lawyer, an athlete, a winner, a loser, a failure, a success, a bum, an outcast, a shame. There are lots of words and names that we may be called and that we may call ourselves and others. But the truest name, the truest part of our identity is beloved. And that name has the power to transform us, to make a difference and change our lives and the lives of those around us, not only when that spirit is initially poured out, but when it continues to pour into our lives and work through our lives as part of the beloved community of God. Peter's brief confession points to the larger purpose and ends that should govern our lives. Life in Christ, our belovedness, is a new life that is marked not by those names, but marked by the forgiveness of sins and by doing good and providing justice to those who are oppressed and proclaiming to others that God has done mighty acts for us in Christ, and that Jesus is Lord of all. To enter into Christian faith then, to become beloved, or to accept that we are beloved, is to be at peace, to be made whole, as we enter into the work of God in Christ Jesus and as God enters into our lives and continues to pour into us and pour out through us. A friend of mine is a Lutheran pastor and she serves a church in Texas. She told a story of a young child who was about four years old that she baptized a few years ago. The child's name was Jay. And she said after Jay was baptized, he said, yay! Okay, now I do it to you. <laughs> to which she responds, do what? And Jay says, put water on you. She said, you want to pour water on my head? And Jay says, yes. Okay, she said, here you go. And so in her tradition, they used shells to scoop water onto the heads of those who were baptized. And so she handed Jay a shell, 
and she helped him to dip it into the water. She crouched her head down and lowered her head, and he poured the water over her head and said, okay, God loves you too, yay. Friends, I wish that we could have the faith of a four-year-old sometimes to understand how simple and yet how powerful God's spirit poured out is. God loves you, as Jay said. God loves me. That's the whole story. Regardless of the labels and the words that we call ourselves and others, God calls us beloved. God reaches out to us like Cornelius before we are even part of the beloved community. And God reaches out to us like Peter once we have been in that community for a long time. And we still need to experience the transformation of God's all-encompassing love. God's spirit poured out upon us, calls us and empowers us as God's beloved. And I don't know about you, but I yearn to know that so strongly as that four-year-old Jay did. I yearn to know inside my soul that I am loved and I yearn to be able to celebrate that. Yay! Thanks be to God that God loves me, that God loves you, that God's love is for the world, and that Christ is Lord of all. Yay! Thanks be to God.